Welcome to the Context Podcast, sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. In this episode, we sit down with Josh Ormond. You may know him from the FileMaker community, but in fact, he's a part of many different online forums. He's been in FileMaker for a little over 10 years, has been a DevCon speaker, and has a great presence all over. Today, we sit down and talk everything about FileMaker security from the built-in complete system that's already there, homegrown systems and why people want to use them, and how FileMaker itself is ramping up its security. FileMaker security is a vital topic, and honestly, it doesn't get talked about enough. So I welcome Josh to talk about FileMaker security. Hey there, Josh. This, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jeremy. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for uh, joining me this evening. It's uh, it's good to talk to you and uh, hear what you have to say. So, well, it's my pleasure. Good. Well, you know, let's let's start by um, uh, understanding who the heck you are. Um, who is Josh, and what do you do, and uh, where do you work? As much as you can say, and just who are you in this community? Uh, well, my name is Josh Hormond. I um, Right now, I currently work as an in-house developer for a wholesale sales company. I began developing in FileMaker in about 2007-ish. I think 8.5 or 8 was out right around then. Um, the company I worked for then was um, called the Renner's Guide. They did uh, uh, classified ads, and they had a, a print publication book where apartment communities advertise their apartments for rent. I started developing there because they were basically, in 2007, handwriting ads on a piece of paper and then typing them into Word, converting them to Excel, and then uploading them to our website. And then like our website was basically one big text block of all the classified ads. And uh, I wasn't okay with that. So I began working with FileMaker. They had FileMaker 4 installed, but they were only using it essentially just to do finds on old ads. And then they would print that out and write any changes on it and then retype the whole ad back into Word. So it was a little backwards. So I started developing with that, started in 8.5, finished it in 9, and obviously kept developing from there. And they pretty much used that system that I built right up until the company was bought and then the office was shut down um, in 2016, I believe that was. So it was in use for quite a while. Um, and, it, and it worked pretty well. So that's kind of where I started. Uh, a lot of people know me from the forums. I spent a lot of time on there um, at first asking questions and then eventually answering questions. In 2017, I was uh, very honored and humbled to receive the Community of the Leader of the Year Award at DevCon. It was the first DevCon I had been to, so I thought that was pretty good. I was one for one. Yeah, I I think I noticed you... Um, in the forums, obviously, we've only met once at DevCon last year, but we've talked now many years, it seems. But I think I first noticed you in the forums. And it's funny, as you describe your um, progression, there's a lot of people that are the same boat. I'm the same boat. I stumbled into it. I was working it as a teacher and kind of found the app on the computers and started working with it and building systems better for my company. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of how you, how you did it too. How did you just a quick uh, aside here? How did you learn FileMaker? What three or 10 things did you look at to learn FileMaker? Um, Honestly, it was 
I spent a lot of time looking through the help files. Okay. Um, they weren't online then; they were, you know, actually in FileMaker. But I spent a lot of time looking at those, reading through calculations, so I could understand at least what my options were to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just basically learn a few each week, mm-hmm. and just try using them and just play with them and test them in a file, so I understood how they worked. And you know, over time, you know, I forgot a lot of them, but I at least remembered whenever I had a problem, I knew what to look for in the help documents. And then I could use them. Now, the other side of it was I spent a lot of time on the forums. Um, it's not as active as it used to be, but I spent a lot of time on filemakertoday.com. Um, it was back at a time when there was a, still a lot of developers there, you, you know, guys like uh, Daniel Wood, you know, also known as Wheat Picks uh, from Australia, David Head, um, Ender, uh, a guy named Michael uh, Comet was there for a while. Um, just a lot of developers that really helped shape my understanding of FileMaker. And like, as I would ask questions and I would answer other people's questions, they would come back also with responses to show like an alternative way to do it. Like, here's another thought. Here's another thing you want to think about when you do it that way. And that allowed me to at least start understanding why is one way better than another way? What Mm -hmm. can we, what do we need to think about when we're trying to solve a problem? Like what other problems can we cause by solving it using, you know, technique A instead of technique B. Do you think you've mastered that skill? I'm really good at causing problems. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can, I can, I can break anything. <laughs> so because of that, I mean, I think I've gotten pretty good at diagnosing problems also. Mm-hmm. You kind of just basically peel back the layers of that onion, trying to figure out which piece is actually causing your problem. Um, that can be pretty difficult at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten fairly good at it. Um, I would say I'm not nearly as good at the server side of that diagnostic as, as Wim is, but you know, I don't think anybody is. So, yeah. And I mean, he's still available to ask questions about, so yeah, I, yeah. that's all I do. I don't worry about it anymore. I just ask him. <laughs> um, well, that, again, that's a very familiar, um, trajectory as me and a lot of other people where we start learning in the forums and then start to give back. And it's nice to hear that people were already giving you advice about which technique and why you would use this technique. I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast is really to talk about context. Like why would you use execute SQL? When would you use it? You know, when would you not, when I was learning execute SQL, I used it all the dang time and I have, dramatically cut back since because I've grown a little bit more wise in that. So it's good that people are, are even through text, through comments on the forums are, were at that time, especially giving you and people feedback about the context of using certain techniques. So, yeah, it's actually even kind of funny. My, uh, the, the developer that I work with and for uh, at the place I'm at now, we kind of started developing FileMaker around the same time. And we actually often joke when we're looking through legacy code, because we're still using a system that was built 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of, we continue adding to it. And we kind of joke when we hit certain areas of code, mm-hmm. I can tell you which year and sometimes <laughs> which month the code was written in based on <laughs> the approach you used. <laughs> That's, that actually makes me think, I wonder if like every five years or so, Applications should just be rewritten. Just (laughs) just start a new file, create new. Exactly. 
This episode is brought to you by Widget Studio. Widget Studio is our professional developer tool that allows you to find or create, customize, and then deploy a royalty-free widget into your custom app. I'll tell you folks, I've been working with JavaScript for quite a few years now, and I've tried every method of integrating JavaScript into a FileMaker custom app. Widget Studio is by far the easiest way to do that. There are a lot of widgets available for use, but I can use the tool to create my own. Widget Studio also gives a great way to customize the widgets that you can find. But what I like about Widget Studio the most is its deployment methods. The one I use the most is called the scripted export, where I press one button and Widget Studio generates a script for me, copies it to the clipboard so that I can paste it into my custom app. I encourage you to check out Widget Studio, download the demo, and give it a try. Widget Studio, find or create, customize, deploy. So I invited you on because we talk a lot during the given workday and uh, through various means, but um, I know you primarily because you were on the forums a lot really talking about security. And I'm glad that you're here to talk to us about the context of security in our world right now and for our clients. All right. So that's what we're going to focus on today. All right. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. I will preface this with I really appreciate Wim DeCourt and Stephen Blackwell really guiding me along the security path. And I will apologize to them now for anything I say wrong. And they're welcome to email me and correct me. I will have them on in a subsequent podcast to refute everything you say. That's right. Okay. I'll, I'll post a retraction. <laughs> All right. Good. Um, so. What is security for FileMaker? What does it look like? Um, describe as much as you can, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I'm going to use um, on fmforms.com. Stephen Blackwell has a, a picture up there of the fly, FileMaker platform security, and I'm pretty much going to talk about that. Uh, I'll add one additional one that's not directly on this image, but it's also important. But for the most part, I'm going to just reference this image because it really does perfectly lay out our security uh, model. So there's various parts of it, right? So we have the account management side of things, which is users. You want to make sure that when somebody logs into your database, that you know who they are. Is this person allowed to be in here at all? Like that's even before you even get to the data. You don't even want to get them inside if you don't know who they are. Um, because one of the things I know Wim has talked about a lot on the forums, and I will uh, second and third it, is that once somebody's in that front door, you lose a lot of leverage to control and get them out. So it's really important that you make sure they can't even step inside the door. So that's account management and user management. So who who are you? Is that what you who just said? You? Correct. Who are you? Okay. Um, then there's file access protection. You know, that is that one checkbox that used to be off by default, but starting in 18 and any new files created from 18 forward, it'll be on by default. That is basically allowing other files to connect to your file. There's a checkbox that says only allow full access privilege accounts to be able to create a connection to this file. So that's just the initial connection to say, hey, I allow this file to connect. That requires the person trying to do it to log into your file with full access privileges. 
If they don't have that, they cannot make the connection and it blocks them from getting in at all. So how would you describe that? Um, the first one was, who are you? The second one is, who can access this file? Yeah, it kind of goes to, are you allowed to be here? So what okay, you're allowed, are you allowed to, do. to be here. All right. Um, along with file access protection, there's another side of this that's more of a physical nature. Um, getting physical access to the files themselves also gives somebody a lot of power because they can basically throw computing power at it and do their whatever they can and use all their techniques to try to crack into the file. So it's also really important that there's not physical access to where the files are stored. So keeping your server secure, you know, not just leaving it laying on your desk out in the middle of nowhere. If there's sensitive data on there and somebody walks off with that machine, that gives them a lot of power. So making sure that the physical access to the files and to the server is secure is really helpful. Okay. It's one of those things that's just absolutely necessary. And sometimes I feel like that gets overlooked a lot. The next one are the privilege sets. So we get really granular in what you can do with privilege sets right down to whether or not you allow somebody to access a specific record, a specific layout, or a specific script. Um, all of that is controlled in those privilege sets. And obviously, you can create multiple privilege sets to determine whether or not this person that's logged in can actually access those different areas of the FileMaker platform. So it's it could be boiled down to what can you do in this file? Absolutely, yep. Okay. So... So a FileMaker developer needs to plan for this. Who are you? Who can be in this file? And what can you do in this file? Correct. Does FileMaker have security settings or stops, I guess, checks, whatever, for each of what you just said? It's a complete system, right? Yeah, and it actually even goes beyond that because then there's also the encryption at rest, which means even if somebody gets a hold of your file and you have encryption at rest on, they can't even get into the file. Like one of the big things that people talk about on the forums a lot is using like a password cracker to try to crack the piece of the file that is essentially the the password. Um, with encryption and rest on, they can't even do that. Like the whole, they have no idea where it is. The whole file itself is encrypted. And the only way to open it and decrypt that file is to have that encryption password. And this is one of those things like you have to be really careful. Don't lose the password because mm -hmm. there's no way to get into the file at that point. Um, and it's pretty much, you know, it, whatever you've done in it, whatever data is in there is lost. So you've got to really careful and know what you're doing with this. Make sure it's stored somewhere that's secure. You know, there are even companies that do like, like escrow things where um, you can store that information, that password, so that not one, not only one person has access to it. And if you lose that person, then you don't know the password anymore. So it solves that problem. But, but FileMaker itself, the platform, the application, it has all of this stuff already, right? Cool. It has the who are you mechanism. It has dealing with the physical access to the file. You mentioned encryption at rest and... Um, well, obviously, FileMaker can't control where you put your machine, right? Right. So that's guess what you would have to do. But it also has, it also has the answer to what can you do in this file? Absolutely. And those are built into FileMaker already, right? We don't have to, as a developer, I don't have to build any of that. No. Uh, I mean, I, I know that there's on the forums, there's always the question asked is, do you know, I want to make something that looks better than the default dialogue. 
Uh-huh. Um, in going down that road, you know, and that's the famous word that that um, Stephen Blackwell is always brings up in those discussions. You know, that ersatz security. Earsat is that is that what it is? I never knew how to yeah. pronounce it. Earsats. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing that's how it's pronounced. That's just how I've heard it. Okay. Okay. If it's wrong, I'm sure somebody will correct us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's when you start to go down that road, everything that you can do is essentially scripted. And scripted methods in FileMaker are not security because the person's already inside the door. You've already given them access to do certain things. And now you're trying to get them out once they're already in. And the fact is, and this is one of the things that that it's difficult to understand at first. Mm-hmm. You cannot guarantee that a script is going to run or complete. I know that's one of the things that Todd talked about a lot when he's talking about transactions, but it also applies to security because you just simply can't guarantee that that script is actually going to run. There are ways to stop it from running. So that's not a flaw in security. That's just how things work. And the reality is, our security needs to be separate from the scripts that are running. If somebody gets to a point of running a script, it means they've already passed through security and we said that they're okay. Mm. So our security needs to happen before a script runs. So everything that happens after that is either security by obscurity, which isn't wrong that you use it, but you can't rely on it to be the actual security. It is just simply making things more difficult for somebody to do something because they can't see it. We're going to come back to that, actually. I hadn't planned on it, but security by obscurity, you mentioned it's not bad if we use it. I I want to get to the context of when it would be okay. Just a couple of those thoughts, okay? Okay. So we'll come back to that later. But so uh, you you bring up a lot of stuff here, and I'm really interested in this idea of creating my own security method. That is just... You, I have seen you say, and Wim and, and Blackwell say, that is just categorically wrong to do. No one should create their own security system. Yep. Is that correct? <laughs> that is what we say, yeah. That is what you would say. I doubt if even Wim, I don't think even he creates it. We at, here at Geist Interactive, we don't create our own security. We either use FileMakers or we use Active Directory to handle security, right? Right. I mean, there are several reasons why, why we say that it's wrong. I mean, there are obviously, all right, you know, if you have like your recipe database and none of those recipes are like family or trade secrets and they're just for you to store it and you want to create a really pretty login that doesn't matter, then whatever. Mm -hmm. But if there's any kind of mission critical data, sensitive data, confidential data, it opens yourself, it opens you up for problems if you try to roll your own. Yeah. That's, I, I feel like that's a big key. So FileMaker has a complete security system and it, it pretty much has, a it in my time since FileMaker 9, like you, I've seen it evolve quite a bit. It seems like FileMaker is always concerned about security. They're always adding to it, adjusting it, making it more secure. Would you agree with that? Do you see a good progression? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's good. I mean, that even um, brings us, like, you look at the most recent security feature that was added was account lockout. Account lockout really does goes a long way in preventing, like, brute force attacks where somebody will just hammer at a file with various passwords until it opens. Um, mm-hmm. Account lockout prevents that because every time, every, like, five attempts, it locks out for 5, 10, or 15 minutes, or I don't remember the exact numbers on that, but, you know... Yeah. 
having to wait and slow things down makes that method of attack just not fun for an attacker. So FileMaker is, is in fact, I have said this on the forums a couple of times. I don't want FileMaker to spend their time and resources building a calendar because I could do that in JavaScript in 20 minutes. I would rather they focus on security, right? And continually improve their platform to continually uh, increase the security as new threats come or new backdoor or whatever, whatever. That's what they should focus on. Do you... Do you feel like that's a concern of file that that Claris should have with their with their application? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've, I've talked to several uh, staff members at Claris, and they are very concerned about security. I mean, when you look at the news and you see all of the data breaches happening all over the place, I mean, yeah, they're typically big targets, but that doesn't mean that there aren't reasons for people to try to attack a small business. I mean, you think about a disgruntled employee or... And there's just so many reasons that it could happen. Um, and the question really comes down to, would you even know what happened? Like, would you know somebody infiltrated your database and downloaded a bunch of your data? I mean, if you don't know for sure, then the answer is you probably are at risk. And that's one of the main focuses of security is to making sure that we're free from the potential of bad things happening, the potential of damage. Now, um FileMaker has a complete security suite or system. It has a lot of steps. And and you mentioned this before, but I want to hit on this point. You can choose the level of your security, right? You can pick the items, I think, in an ever-increasing, tighter security system, but you can pick how far up the ladder you want to go. That depends on the kind of data that you're holding. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Uh, the one the one thing I'll say to that is uh, you have to be really forward thinking when you're thinking about the data you're storing. You know, I mean, you may start off with, you know, pretty benign information that's publicly available. So you say, oh, I don't need to worry too much about security. But, you know, five years down the road, all of a sudden you start storing social security numbers or credit card numbers, which, you know, typically there are ways to get around not having to do that. So storing them anyways is not the greatest idea. Um, but at that point, when you started storing those that sensitive information, email addresses is another one. You know, it, to a lot of people, it doesn't seem like that's really a um, a sensitive piece of information, but it is. And if you don't secure that stuff and you don't go back and look at your security model to say, all right, am I secure enough to protect this data? You're going to end up with problems that you know. In this day of day and age, with lawsuits and uh, individuals being so sue happy, it could bankrupt a business, and mm. that's the type of thing we're, like we're trying to prevent against and educate people on making sure that being a little more secure than you think is necessary is totally fine. Mm. In fact, it's probably necessary because if you think that you're okay, you're likely in danger of being um, um, breached. Mm. Interesting. So, would you just recommend people, developers? When they start a new file for a client, they just take it to the top level of security already? Yes. So one of the principles I know, so we had a, a pause and error uh, back a little bit ago. It was at 2018, maybe, um, in Chicago, where we talked all about security. The whole, the whole time we were there, it's all we talked about was security. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of security uh, by least privilege. So you basically deny everything and only allow a person to do what you want them to be allowed to do. 
mm-hmm. instead of the other way around where you just allow everything and then try to block the few things you don't want them to do. Uh, it's a, a completely different security mindset mm-hmm. and it requires planning. So it can be difficult, uh, but it's definitely important. And once you get that security model rolled up and you get it working and you really understand how it works, it's really not that difficult to maintain and make sure that you're secure. Okay. Uh, I can get behind that. Um, I, one of my always been my issues with, with um, FileMaker training is that we get to security maybe 75% into the course yep. or we don't even get there at all. And it, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, of course, data structure is important. Of course, understanding how to set up your relationship graph is important. But it seems like security needs to be closer to the beginning of the training course than right at the end. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. It's it's difficult to really say because the, the one thing I've learned about security is that it's so dependent. I mean, there's obviously best practices and things you kind of want to always do, but it's really the actual laying out of the security. And um, I think Sarah Strickland, um, I think uh, Strickford, I think is her last name. She did a, a session at DevCon about security by blueprint. Okay. This means like it is architected. Like you go through and you make sure how everything works and how you want it to work. Sometimes I think at the beginning of a training class, especially for somebody that's not very familiar with everything that FileMaker is, maybe a little overwhelming. So okay. I'm assuming that's the reason why it's further in, um, because to know how to secure fields and scripts and layouts, you have to know what fields and scripts and layouts are and how they work. Okay. So there's kind of that side of it. But at the same time, yeah, I agree. The sooner you can get into security, the better, especially when you're talking about mission critical and sensitive data. So FileMaker has made a lot of great strides in in their security model, and and I appreciate that. They uh, recently removed what I consider a false sense of security in there. And I know you you had some thoughts about that, but as a full access person, if I go into managed security, I can make changes in there without having a password challenge, right? right. That They removed that in, in 18. And um, then they removed it also when you close out of the managed security, you're no longer challenged with your full access password anymore. Um, are you are you feeling okay about that? Do you still have a little bit of qualms about that? What do you think about that? Um, so initially, yeah, I was I was pretty vocal about the danger posed there. As I thought through it and started working with it more and looking at some items, uh, I'm more okay with it. I'm the the fact is only individuals that are given access to the managed security space are allowed to get there. Mm-hmm. So that means an individual needs to be at your machine with your computer unlocked with yep. FileMaker open. That's the only way they, they'll be able to access that managed security space. So in, in that, there's you know a lot of security because not, every, not just anybody can go there. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that's really important for us is that we have to make sure that we don't leave our machines unlocked mm-hmm. when walk away. If, we, if we're logged in, with an account that has the managed security privilege, whether it's a full access account or a user account with that elevated privilege, we can't leave it unlocked. And the reality is, if you're using FileMaker to do data entry and you know business workflow stuff, you shouldn't be logged in as one of those accounts. You shouldn't uh-huh. be doing work in FileMaker as an admin or as a account with the managed security privilege. It's just not necessary. So the recommendation that, that we typically make is 
you use full access to develop and you use a regular user account to do data entry or business workflow stuff. Um, if somebody has the manage needs the manage security privilege set, the extend that elevated privilege, mm-hmm. make a separate user for them for that only can do that and nothing else. Like it can't even access the data, it can't access scripts, layouts, nothing. It can only access managed security. That way they never use that account to try and do data entry and then walk away from their machine and leave the custom application vulnerable to attack. If you do those things, there's no problem. Like it's it's solved. So the change really doesn't matter because everything is still going to be secure. What's uh, so again, we've said this many times, Claris is making great strides, but is there are there points in our development process that is still painful when it comes to security? Yeah, I mean, laying out like when you're setting up a, a new project that doesn't have anything set already, going through the privilege sets and making sure everything is right for each privilege set and testing it, mm-hmm. it's a pain. I mean, it really it can be really hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, we just sometimes we just have to kind of work through that. There would be some changes I'd love to see in FileMaker security that could make some of that easier. Oh. Um, like I was thinking, kind of like role-based security where you can assign multiple privilege sets to a user and that would allow them, you could give multiple roles to multiple people and basically have them overlap. So I was trying to, I was trying to think earlier of a good example of this and I really couldn't think of one. Uh, but like if you wanted somebody to be able to do invoicing, for example, um, you want the accounting person to be able to do invoicing, you want the manager to be able to do invoicing, but obviously that's about the only place that their security is going to overlap. So you could essentially have the accountant have their accounting privilege set and you could have the manager have their managerial privilege set uh, and neither one of them includes this invoicing privilege set. Then you could you know, apply a, this new privilege set to both of them and then allow them to have access to these additional fields and tables, scripts and layouts. You can do it a little bit now using extended privileges, um, but it's not quite what I had in mind. Uh, but it does work and can be quite useful to use extended privilege. I've always thought, as I learn more about security, that there are some inconsistencies with how the security is set up, right? There's, well, they fixed the the most recent one in 18, where a external file could have access to it without being full access, right? right. Uh, without having, so they fixed that. But there, but before 18, it was that way. Yet, when you create a new privilege set, none of the options are available. You have to go through each one. You have to go through each table that you've already created and change the access point to that, right? there, It's it's locked down for new privilege sets. So yeah. there seems to be some inconsistency, but I think they're trying to make that all the same. And they're they're building a file. When we cr- say create new, they, other than logging in automatically, with a full access account, no password, everything else is is well locked down at this point. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's good. I I wonder if the next step eventually will be create new before you even create the first table, you have to create the full access account and password and maybe the auto login goes away. Yeah, the auto login is a tough one and that it's a convenience feature yep. for some things and it helps somebody jump right in and get started. But yeah, long term for security, using auto login can be difficult. And like a lot of times for those IRSAT security systems, that's what people use. 
And again, we'll go back to it. I'll just reference once they're in the front door, you lose a lot of leverage. We're seeing quite a shift in FileMaker's focus, Claris's focus there. The the FileMaker that we know today and that we'll see in a year is different than the one from five years ago, right? So someone who is working with recipes and storing their recipes, they don't need any security. They just wanted to auto log in right away, right? That, and that's perfectly fine. But it's possible that as we go in the future here, we're not catering towards a recipe database anymore, right? Immediately, we are creating modules that connect to um, a Shopify system, e-commerce or, you know, WordPress or whatever, we are immediately handling more sensitive data. So, so those convenience settings maybe should go away. Right. Secure by default is, is really the phrase that we we're hearing a lot more of. Okay. Um, and those changes I think will, will continue to come, um, as security becomes even more important in the business world. Okay. So I, I mentioned this, uh, that I wanted to come back to it, but uh, security by obscurity, um, we have methods in FileMaker to hide things, to obscure them when certain privilege sets don't meet a certain condition or, or whatever, right? Um, we, can, we can hide an object when an account privilege set isn't administrator or something like that. Talk to me about when that is good to do, when it's okay to use security by obscurity, and tell me when it's it's not good. So, so security by obscurity is okay when the security part of it behind it is already there. So like, for instance, um, Ronnie Rios in 2015 had a really nice video. Um, it was a session from DevCon where he basically walked through and shows you some of the problems um, with security by obscurity. Um, I don't know that that video is still up and online. I've been looking for it um, and I'll put some feelers out to see if maybe we can get a hold of that video. But uh, he basically shows uh, this example of like, say you have somebody, you have an employee database and in the employee database, you have people's salary. Um, Now you don't want everybody to be able to see that salary field. So you throw a, you know, either a conditional formatting on it or a hide object when or Maybe you put it in a popover and put it off the side of the layout, or maybe even you put a button that has a script that brings it on screen, whatever. So he shows a few different ways that and somebody can basically use AppleScript to fire the script that pulls that value on screen. He shows other ways, or basically like if you have a popover button that has a hide object when condition on it and it's hidden, a script that has a go to object and goes to that popover will bypass the popover button and actually open the popover. So if so if the data itself is not secured where it says this person is not allowed to see the salary field they will see the salary field um and that can be you know a big problem that's security by obscurity uh, okay. the other part of it is sometimes you know if you have a version of filemaker like you have it in 18 and there's that one field in the file options that says you know this can be opened by versions back to you know, whatever. I think it, it starts at 12. There were there was a bug in FileMaker 13 that actually allowed people to use the data viewer to pull data in. Hmm. Um, There's another bug that was that was in FileMaker, I think, right up until 16, possibly 17.0.1 that allowed people again to do the same thing using the watch tab. Even though they didn't have access, they could use plugins and things like that to do some really nasty, gnarly things on your database and end up extracting data out of it. 
So all of that is solved if the privilege set says the person that's logged in can't see the data. Does that's that mean going to every field and updating the the access level? It can. Yeah. It depends on really what you need. So having not having a field on a layout is not security. That's Correct. more security by obscurity, right? Yeah, I mean you can have it you can have the field in the table. It cannot be on the layout, but if that field is allowed to be seen, like for instance, if you have um, a field where it logs the timestamp and the user of who created the record, which is you know a common thing we do all the time. Well, there are times where you don't want that data to be seen or shown or give access to another user. So you can go in and set the security so that users can't see the data from that field. Okay. Um, again, security by obscurity means there may be a way for them to see the data because essentially your security says it's okay for them to see it. So it, it's a lot of work to set that up. And it, it seems, you know, if you build a hundred tables in your system, you have to consider each one of those and the fields in those for each of the privilege sets. Yes. Yep. And that that's where like um, when Sarah went through her, her session and she talked about security, you know, by a blueprint, you know, you think about a blueprint and all the time and effort, it goes to all the little pieces of knowledge that an architect knows when they're laying those blueprints out and all the things they have to consider and think about um, where the room is, what, what direction the house is facing, what the sun is like at the high part of the day, like all those things they consider. It requires a lot of time and effort, but you have to do that in order to have a house that's stable, that's secure, and that is inviting. And databases are the same way. We have to make sure that they're stable, that they're secure, and inviting only to those people that we want to invite in, not necessarily everybody. That's a good analogy. It's it's a good thing to think about because security isn't fun. It isn't one of the advertising points that we can deploy something in 10 hours or 20 hours or something, right? We can get something to our clients right away. It's yep. it's very mindful. It's very thoughtful. It's just boring. It's just not fun, right? It's so boring sometimes. Yeah. Okay. But But we're saying that that's as important as all of that other stuff. So, uh, Josh, you work as an in-house developer and um, you work with highly sensitive data. What is what is your security thinking that happens with your data? Yeah, so I'll, I'll bring up this one point that shows you really to the extent that which we go to secure the data. None of our users are even allowed to export out of the system. Okay. So no data, no nothing can be exported out of the system um, without really running through a formal process or something that we already have set up and arranged where like we're pushing data out maybe to a vendor, uh, some of our public data. But users cannot export any data from the system because it can cause problems. And, and there have been issues in the past, you know, at our company and in other companies where allowing people to export data, you know, especially like you're talking about client lists and other data that you obviously don't want to share with competitors, and they, they can't export. So that's that's a security issue. Uh, other small things, like I was, I was thinking about, we talked about this at Pause on Security in Chicago. Uh, simple things like, and this is a little bit security by obscurity, but it's, it's helpful and you'll understand why when I say it. If somebody's trying to hack into uh, your server or to, they connect with FileMaker Pro to your file and they want to try to guess an account to get in. The most popular one in almost every FileMaker file is admin. Mm-hmm. You can make it more difficult by simply changing 
the name from admin to something else. Because what's the first thing everybody's going to try? Admin, no password. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's amazing how often that opens things up. It's it's a little scary. I know I had a situation personally, you know, I had run across, uh, I had a file on a server. That it was that this was back when shared hosting was a was an okay thing. Um, happened to see a, a vendor that I've done business with personally. And, you know, I connected to it from the customer portal side of things, but like everything was like wide open. And I saw the file because I had connected on accident with admin, no password. I, I would, I kind of fat fingered it and hit the enter button. And, um, you know, I saw this file with that company name on it. And, you know, I was shocked to see that WebDirect was turned on. So you could access that file with the admin password, admin, no password in WebDirect and access all of the data to which then I saw my personal data. I saw my wife's personal data and I saw my daughter's personal data. It was shortly after that that me and the owner of the company had a conversation about security because <laughs> that, that really it really made me upset and bothered me and that's actually about the point that I started to really get serious about security and started looking more at what are we doing and how can people access stuff that I don't know about because that's one of the big things that we often hear from people you know you say that this is a problem but I wasn't able to get in there well that doesn't mean it's secure that doesn't mean it's safe. And we need to think more like users and attackers in order to protect against them. Security is such a, an important part of our jobs. We shouldn't um, like bury it in the other tasks that we have to do. It's not, it's not like a script where we think from A to B, or it's not the data structure. It seems to me this is a whole complete process that we need to sort of map out just like we would do a, a entity relationship diagram. And then we need to purposely only do security in our systems, in our file, and then stop and take a break, right? We shouldn't bounce back and forth between writing a script and setting up security, right? We should just focus on this one little, one important little task. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. The yeah. It's one of those things where it has to be mapped out. I mean, yeah. if you're going to go on a cross-country trip, I mean, you have all your things together. You have all your snacks and food. You have you need you need to know where gas stations are to make sure that you can refuel on the way and you don't get stranded. Um, to some extent, you're going to at least look at some roads in the map so you know where things are going. You know that you're headed to, you know, California, not to Florida. You, they're kind of two different places, and everything has to be mapped out. Yeah. And when you've gone through and you've made a bunch of changes to your database, you need to step back. And take an overview. How did these changes affect other stuff? And you actually really should go test it. You know, having a, a test suite, a unit test to go through and test certain things to make sure that it's still secure is really important. And that's one of the things that can often be overlooked because you just made the assumption, well, I just added these few fields. I added this script. Everything's fine. When the reality is that script could be open and able to run by every privilege set. It all depends on how you have your settings. Uh, so security is a big topic. And we we really shouldn't take this lightly. It's I, I feel like it it's very it's very weighty. Like right now, I'm feeling very, you know, like my it, very heavy. <laughs> my head is very heavy. It could be this hour, but it's also just such important thing to do. Uh, we've said that it's not like fun to take care of, but um, it is something that FileMaker developers should spend some quality time with. Manage security. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly. 
it feels heavy at first. I mean, I know, I remember I had a really <laughs> intense conversation with Wim on one of the forums once about something and I disagreed with him vehemently. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end, I sent him a private message apologizing <laughs> <laughs> and having come to my senses. And as I started learning more, honestly, it, it got a lot easier because you learn to just think securely. Mm. And you understand, all right, here are possibilities that could go wrong. And once you know those things, it makes it a lot easier to know how to secure it. Okay. Uh, well, good, Josh. It's, it's, it's great to talk about security. I think that hopefully our time here has been somewhat coherent. Um, I'll make sure that the show notes have, have a good outline of what we just discussed because it's so important to think about this. It's so important to talk about this. Um, just like, you know, transactions, just like JSON, just like JavaScript, in my opinion, security needs to be out there front and center more in the community um, because it, 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 yeah, it just needs to be. I mean, we live in a world where security is so important. It took me, you know, I had to log into five different websites this afternoon and, passwords for each one and, you know, double authentication, two-factor authentication, all this kind of stuff. So we need to be more aware of it. And um, so it's good that we're talking about it now. So, yeah. And you know, the the really fascinating thing about it is, you know, if you bring Wim on or Stephen Blackwell and you talk about security, they're going to talk about even more stuff than, than we brought up here. Because obviously, you know, an hour or so isn't really even enough to cover everything. All right. I will, I will not, stop this conversation. We'll, we'll definitely continue it. And, uh, we'll talk more about security out in the forums and, uh, make it more front and center in, uh, in the FileMaker community. So. Sounds great. Well, Josh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, appreciate this. Um, this, <laughs> this was fun. And, um, I, you, you have a lot of thoughts about security. I, I'm going to link to, if you can help me, I'm going to find the, the PDF of that whole security conversation that happened in the forums a couple of years ago. You said it's still out there, right? We can find yeah, it. Yeah, it's not on forums. If you go, I think it's in the blogs. Oh, okay. Uh, I have a blog on there. It, should, it says a conversation about two-factor factor authentication. So it should All be right. in there. I'll link that here and uh, we'll... Um, We'll just continue to talk about this. So again, thanks for your time. I appreciate I appreciate you coming on here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Context Podcast, sponsored by Geist Interactive. The Context Podcast is all about FileMaker and the technology that we use within the context of FileMaker. The Context Podcast is found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. You let us know what you think. Give us a rating and a review. Send us feedback and let us know what topics you would like us to talk about. See you next week.